Hello and welcome to another episode of the Southside Trap Podcast. It's your girl Sandra here to recap another Chicago Red Stars match. It was quite the match and this was the type of match that had a lot of stuff going on in it and I don't know if soccer was one of them. But we're going to talk about that. Couldn't do it alone. No one can ever do it alone. So I'm here with my friend, homie and colleague, Claire Watkins, a.k.a. Scam Originator. How you doing tonight, Claire? I mean, I'm doing fine. Uh, <laughs> uh, I didn't watch any soccer today, the day after Friday. Uh, I went outside for a little bit and... Uh, Watched Yo. some TV that wasn't soccer. It was nice out. It today. was really nice. It's gonna be nice tomorrow. Bro, cuando sale sol en Chicago. Uh -huh. It's so nice. Exactly. Out. Yeah. No, it was a beautiful day, and I needed to decompress a little bit. And the city <laughs> provided, which was really nice. Yeah. It was like you know what you guys need a little bit of sunshine. Uh huh. Yeah, I appreciated that. Chicago Red Stars. <clears throat> this is their first loss of the season. Uh, they are no longer <laughs> undefeated. They won. There <laughs> three games there without a loss. Uh, hit the road right after uh, national team rosters were dropped. And they went to Utah to face the Royals. And I don't normally like to talk about the national team on this podcast, Claire, because when I started Southside Trap Podcast, I said, you know what? This podcast is going to be about the Red Stars, for the Red Stars, solely about Red Stars. But I feel like kind of got to talk about this national team stuff because it's going to affect the Chicago Red Stars roster sort of moving forward here. Yeah. Uh, man, I mean, I, it's, it's relevant. It's relevant, obviously, because it's relevant for the rest of the season. For people who don't know, in case, case you've been living under a rock, there's a World Cup that's happening. Right. There's a big tournament. <laughs> and the World Cup. The U.S. players are gone forever until they come back exactly um well and it's relevant too because you know and, and you and i are both we have both talked about this on social media or whatever but just this is the end of a long road for the club when it comes to who was going to be on this roster dating back last year two years ago all the way up until basically you know right when it drops because obviously uh, there was some stuff up in the air right until it happened, and, and it just so happened that both surprise decisions included the Red Stars, um, and it's it's really hard. It's, it's good to talk about because it's impossible to tell the story of this club without talking about the story of this particular roster because it's affected personnel and position decisions for a long time now, and... Uh, uh yeah I, well, <laughs> club, club went through some things i think it when went it through came to the some national stuff. team money money stuff too that's the other thing is um it the the x's and o's of the roster itself have have affected the red stars but so have just the financial realities of the nwsl's relationship with u.s soccer and um things get moved around when people are not allocated uh some people are allocated and then don't make rosters and it's all very complicated and, and frustrating. And, uh, yeah, I mean, maybe we should say what we're talking about. On the one hand, the Chicago red stars 
fucking rule. And they had a bunch of Chicago Red Stars players in and out of national team camps over the better part of two years. Let's just say three because it's been a long time. You had you're talking about the end of uh, 2016, September, October 2016 um, to basically this most recent camp. Um, So as far as the finalized roster for the 2019 World Cup, there are four Chicago Red Stars players who are going to be representing uh, Chicago Red Stars as far as the national team level. You've got number one starting goalkeeper in Alyssa Nair. You've got Julie Ertz. Tierna Davidson is going to be a defender out there. And Morgan Bryan, for some people out there, was a surprise pick who made the final 23. And for people out there who feel some type of way about it, we're here for you. Uh, but Casey Short was one of those surprise omissions from this roster and was one of those many players who we were talking about was in and out of national team camps and part of sort of this resurgence of getting different types of players getting a look at within these camps post-2016 Olympics. Yeah, I mean, the one thing I want to stress, and I think this is getting conflated in a lot of different places because – it's hard to fit a bunch of names into a headline, but Morgan Bryan going, I don't think is related to Casey Short not going. Um, unless we go full conspiracy and note that no team had more than four Americans go. Um, I'm not, I don't know, but uh, I just think it's interesting. Um, and love to conspire, love to conspire, love to just, scam. I'm just, I just noticed a number. That's all. Uh, <laughs> but um, so these are two separate things. I mean, the Casey Short thing, I think, Anyone who follows the Red Stars knows um, she got into camp. She was playing a lot for the U.S. She sprained her ankle really badly at the beginning of 2018. It took her about, what, three or four months to get back to playing level even in the league and then never worked her way back into a playing uh, position for the U.S. ever since coming back from injury. I don't know what changed. Obviously, it seems like league-wise she's been just as good. Um but that uh, injury really set her back when it came to the U.S. depth chart. A weird thing also is Davidson, Davidson, who we obviously consider to be a center back. I think Jill Ellis thinks she's also an outside back. And Davidson played outside back for Chicago last week. Um, and then the, you know, so Casey Short's journey was, a, we knew she was in a precarious spot when this roster dropped. Um and it, you know, it, for if you were just watching closely, I think you could tell that things were not secure. Um, and I, the hard part, I think, for us is not knowing exactly what the soccer reasons for that were um, and also not understanding what that means for her financial security going forward. And also just why the manufactured decision between Casey Short and Allie Krieger even existed when when you look at the way that and I don't want to get too deep into the U.S. conversation because to be quite honest I don't really care about that so much um but there was room on that roster for both of them and Jill Ellis made a choice to take more offensive firepower than defenders and left and decided that it was an either or and picked Allie Krieger instead I uh Honestly, I'm not sure how much I can argue with that particular decision. It's the larger decision of why bring a player in for months and months and months after she's coming back from an injury, 
probably at some point decide that she's not coming back fast enough, but still keep bringing her in to see and then drop her right at the the last second. Um, and then the Morgan Bryan thing is a totally separate conversation, I think. No, yeah, for sure. I would agree with you about the uh, sort of the optics of it as far as how this roster looks where it's very sort of offense heavy versus, right. you know, defensive minded heavy. Uh, I think despite the injury and everything, having a player like Casey Shore, I think when you start thinking in the perspective of a World Cup, right? not so much their group, but when you start getting into these knockout stages and stuff like that and you're playing out all these different scenarios and you're thinking, okay, a 1-0 game in a knockout round or a 2-1 game, who are you going to want to lock down or close on that game? The weird thing. thing to me too that I was thinking about in the after finding out the roster was a lot of talk a lot of talked up uh versatility in the squad um and that to me is also kind of hard to reconcile with the Casey short decision because I, I think people who don't watch her every week don't realize that she is an equally good right back as she is left back she does both and I think a lot of people say, why would you leave your best, you know, available left back off the roster? But she is right back depth as well. Also weird taking Allie Krieger, who is very squarely a right back and does not flip quite as much um, when you have two people ostensibly as your starters who are either going to be pushed up or might not even be available due to injury. So the versatility, and I actually, I mean, we don't know this for sure, but I have to think that Chicago was working very hard to develop this with Short as well, which is she was getting time on the right as much as she did on the left, if not more so. She was on the right against Portland. She was on the right against uh, Rain. Correct. Yeah, she's been starting on the right side, in addition to what we already know what she can do on the left. So that argument also, to me, it just doesn't quite square. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I think there's also this other argument that people are making on top of the versatility where it was two, two V words. It was versatility and veteranship. Right. I think right. the whole vibe about like, well, this isn't a time to develop players. I think that was a quote that was out there from Ellis on her, on her right. It's time. That's conference. her whole deal. That was her deal um, last in 2015 too. Yeah. I which mean, I she's think she's consistent about I that. Think it, she's consistent about it. So you yeah. got to give the head coach that, but I also think it's a, it's still a, a little bit of a weird vibe to sort of put out there. I just, yeah, sure. You can say, yeah, it's going to come down to, like versatility and like being a veteran and then there's also this counter argument where it's like we're talking about a supposed roster spot for a spot that might not see time on the pitch in France which I think is a pretty weak argument because my counter argument to that the is way usually it's set like up right now I actually do think that that person's gonna see some time. Yeah, yeah you know what I mean so it's like well if the perspective is that this particular spot isn't going to see time on the pitch then why wouldn't you have the player that's been with this team for the better part of three years or so right but it is what it is uh people got feelings about it there's been a ton of stuff out there the Chicago Red Stars I think right. we're definitely uh, some of the headliners as far as when that roster was dropped, people were talking about yeah. them being on the pitch. I mean, you have the starting goalkeeper in the snare. People were talking a lot about Julie Ertz and how she's literally the definitive six where sort of the player for, you know, in case something happens there. Well, and that leads us to the Morgan Bryan conversation, which as everyone who, you know, follows me primarily, but also Sandra, uh, we think Morgan Bryan's really good. And we think she's been really good for Chicago recently. Maybe people out there don't uh, 
watch the Chicago Red right. Stars as religiously as right, we do. as we do. But uh, for people who don't, we pretty confidently say on this show that Morgan Bryan has been very good for club. Yeah, she's been very good for club. Yeah, but obviously the other, th- I mean, the thing that we acknowledge is that, um, well, and actually this this doesn't even, even um, contradict what we've been saying about Morgan Bryan, which is that um, she's not 90 minutes fit yet. She's been really affected in limited minutes and that Chicago has been working very hard to get her to the point where she's able to compete day in and day out and I don't think it's unfair to say that Morgan Bryan, uh, for the last four years, has had trouble with the workload asked specifically of a U.S. and club player, which is fair. I think that that's a really high workload asked of them. They play a lot of games on both sides. Um, and while we definitely feel strongly that she can add specific things to the women's national team, It'll be interesting to see if she can withstand what's asked of her now. I mean, the other thing, too, and I complain about this all the time um, in person, but, you know, Morgan Bryan, it's really easy to uh, focus on this end result, which is her making the roster, but she's had to deal with some weird psychological stuff from U.S. soccer for the last year. You know, they leaked out to press that she was – press meaning media and I always have to be careful when I say press because it sounds like I'm talking about Kristen but they leaked (laughs) it out to media that um you know that she was out as a coach's decision she was full stop not in the plan those tweets aged pretty amazingly they aged pretty poorly and and behind the scenes obviously our friend John Halloran put out a very good piece uh, on equalizer during preseason where Rory Dames and and Brian herself talk about um how behind the scenes that wasn't really true and and it was it was odd for the U.S. PR department to kind of put that out there when they were still having conversations with her and ultimately that seemed like a weird thing where the federation's interests were different than the coach's interests were different than Morgan Bryan's interests and it kind of seemed like maybe none of that would reconcile in time for the World Cup seems like they've figured it out which is great um but it'll be really interesting to see if she's able to thrive in that environment now. Yeah. Cause it just seems like the, again, the argument or the rationale behind it is just, you'd rather take the really good midfielder that, you know, you know, right. And that's sort of what it yeah. came down to. Yeah. So uh, congrats to all of the players, all 23 who made that roster. I mean, you hear about it all the time, how it's a dream of so many of theirs uh, since, you know, they were younger players and stuff like that. And even on paper, that 23 just looks like a very competitive bunch and they're going to make a run in the World Cup for sure. And um, it's going to be fun to watch. And, you know, there's four red stars on it. So I know there's people who are going to be invested in that uh, yeah. no matter what. Absolutely. I mean, th- the frustration when it comes to Casey Short, obviously, I think for me, it's twofold. One being that... um uh, I hate the allocation system and I hate the monetary implications of this kind of stuff. I hate that not making this roster makes such a difference in these players' lives because the clubs are not empowered to pay them more on their own. And, you know, uh, Casey Short is an allocated player. We don't know anything about what her financial situation is going to be for the next year, but it's the the difference between making that roster and not being making that roster and being one of the few players to really that were cut at the last moment that's huge 
Um, I think my other frustration is also just because I think it kind of sets up the U.S. to fail. <laughs> and uh, and so if it was like a real tough soccer decision that made the team better, maybe that would be a different conversation. But I think it might hurt the team. And so then everybody loses. Casey's not on the roster and the U.S. isn't set up to win. They do say that defense wins championships. They do. <laughs> they do say that I hear. That's a saying out there I hear. And uh, I guess we're going to see if that holds true. I mean, it, it sort of ranked true for, for 2015. And we'll see what happens in uh, 2019. New scam is afoot. We're going to. It is. We're going to try to plan a scam to get Casey Shorter Hulu money. I don't know. Might have to rob yeah. somebody. Uh, Watch out. Yeah. We'll make it Watch happen. Watch out. We'll make it happen. <laughs> we'll make it happen. I think no matter which player, once that 23 person roster was listed, Chicago was going to end up, right? with a player that potentially didn't make this roster and that was going to be some huge gains right yeah. moving forward yeah so going forward into this match against the utah royals chicago hit the road on a short week yep shorter than they'd hoped for. shorter than they hoped for they had to reschedule that rain match uh due to the ice and snow that had accumulated they ended up playing that match on sunday quick turnaround flew out thursday had to play a match on friday against uh, Utah so you're talking short you know travel uh, you're talking altitude (laughs) all kinds of fun stuff was at play here for this match and I think one of the benefits for Chicago was they had somebody like Casey Short on that back line heading into this match Uh, for the starting lineups of this match for Chicago you had Emily Boyd getting her first uh, start there for the summer of Boyd so Emily Boyd and goalkeeper and Aaron Wright, Sarah Gordon, Katie Naughton, Casey Short running out the back line. And then you had Danny Colaprico, Vanessa DiBernardo, Alyssa Motts, Katie Johnson, Sam Curry, Yuki Nagasato sort of running out that starting 11. What did you uh, think of uh, that starting lineup when you saw it, Claire? I mean, it's strong, right? I mean, uh, the the good news the good news for Chicago is um, if you're talking like for like, taking out Morgan Bryan and putting in Vanessa DiBernardo, you can't do much better than that. Whereas, honestly, Chicago doesn't really have a replacement for Casey Short. Brooke Elby's very good. Um, Sarah Gordon is very good, and she's got a ton of pace, but it's not it's not quite the same. Um, they aren't, you know, no disrespect to them. They just aren't quite the defenders that she are. And she is, and, and that's just me, you know, obviously thinking that she's very good. Um, so, you know, we were talking about this a little bit in the aftermath of the roster drop, which – is is it better for Chicago to have one more veteran defender on that back line in front of Boyd um, with while having to dig deeper into their midfield depth than maybe they were hoping for? Um, and I think the answer is yes. The problem is without Brian, DiBernardo is still not 90 minutes fit. So she was a, an expected sub, I'm sure, at an hour mark no matter what. Um, and having Brian not as an option makes that a little bit more urgent to get her ready to do full games. So, yeah, that was my thought. Yeah, no, same vibe. I think um, second year for Emily Boyd, she had a couple of matches last season, and they were against, uh, you know, bottom half teams, Washington Spirit, uh, Sky Blue FC. 
both shout outs. So yeah, those are great things to to hang your your hat on. But I think this is actually going to be the season where she maybe faces uh, you know some real tests because she's going to have an actual handful of games versus just a couple of games to go off um, last year. And yeah, one hundred percent. I think having a player like Casey Short helping to anchor that back line with maybe somebody like a Katie Naughton is huge. I think moving forward into this next stretch of games, but. As far as the overall tone of this match, you had players missing from each side of this team because I can't of the we national. Haven't even gotten to the match because <laughs> I've been avoiding it low key, but we're gonna do it now, guys. Yeah. Like we're gonna talk about this match the best way we can. Yeah. Because like I kicked off this episode, not too sure how much soccer we're gonna talk about it, but we're gonna talk about some things that uh-huh. happened. But as far as the the players that were missing, you had player really significant players for Utah missing as far as like, uh, you know, Sarbrun and, and Kristen press. And then on this side, you know, we've already named those players that have been missing. So there was a little bit of sort of how, how is this game going to play out? What's it going to look like for these teams sort of missing these kind of players. But I think to their credit, both of them have rolled out pretty decent starting lineups. And then you look at a more specifically the red side and you're like, yeah, that's, that's a, that's a scam lineup right there. Someone's going to, or I believe Yuki and Casey Short are calling it Troublemakers, which is, I think is a really great evolution from the scam gang to Troublemakers. Uh, you know, you're looking at that and it's still very strong. Like it's still a lineup that can do just that. cause some trouble for, for teams out there. But that first half, and we're going to talk about it maybe at least the first 30 minutes before we talk about the thing that happened. I think for the first maybe 30 minutes of that match, it looked like it was going to be just sort of a good competitive match. Red Stars looked like they were connecting on some things there, trying to make things happen for those first 30. What do you think, Claire? I thought it was really similar to what we saw against the rain the week before, where um, I still don't think Chicago is settled defensively. I think there's a lot of really hectic movement back there. I think there's a lot of recovery runs. Um, Obviously, recovery runs were a main were a big theme um in this match as it went on uh and so they were letting and this is but the other thing that I don't know is I think I just don't like watching the way Chicago defends sometimes because they defend by shutting down space late they collapse in and they let they let crosses come in they let people challenge and then through collapsing and getting bodies in front of goal it's a real bend but don't break and so it's really hard for me to tell how much of the other team's poor finishing is by design and how much of it is luck yeah um you have to say there were three games out of their four where the teams they were playing against really struggled to get shots on goal uh one being north carolina one being rain and one being this game against utah so you have to think it's kind of by design i hate watching it (laughs) (laughs) um the other thing is they look their possession their possession in the attacking half is great it's really good and it looked very dangerous and it looked very calm um and it seemed like they were just as likely to score as utah was and i thought both teams were moving the ball pretty well yeah felt pretty evenly matched for the most part uh i think for some players uh maybe sort of being on the short rest having the travel the night before and some of them looked white having to deal with the altitude i think Sooner than expected, it looked maybe like all of those vibes combined together were sort of a bit of a struggle for some players. Um, I think Yuki at one point definitely looked like she was sort of trying yeah. to play through it. 
and she ended up going the full 90, uh, but you definitely saw her sort of fade down the stretch, uh, as with a number of players in yeah. this match. And I think for that first half, it, it definitely looked like this team wanted to get to the halftime point. And to be fair, it looked like they were going to get there. It looked like this team was like, man, a little bit tired. Let's get to halftime, reset. But unfortunately, some of the little physical challenges that were happening on the pitch eventually accumulated to this point in the 42nd minute where there was a goal kick that took place. And Katie Johnson and Vero Boquete, something happened off ball. The replay is not great, but Katie Johnson was issued the very first red card of the season and was suspended from the game because of it. And it was a vibe. Uh, yeah, it was, it was weird. So about 15 minutes prior, Katie Johnson had nicked Gunny Yon's daughter around the midfield mark and got a long talking to from the ref who did not issue her a yellow card, but gave her a stern warning where it seemed like he was keeping a mental tally of what she was doing. He had her number in his head. Um, Which was funny because I feel like um, there was a lot of hugging going on. There was. I think I felt like it was pretty physical on both sides. Um, I thought, I, Which it, is fine, but is you need fine. to call it both sides. It is sides fine, here. and it's also well within everybody's, like, it's fine. If you get fouled, fall down, that's fine. You know, I'm not saying that any of it was unwarranted. Utah was totally well within what they were doing. But um, the narrative of the game in the referee's head, it looked like, was that Katie Johnson was stepping out of line, um, which you would think – he should have just issued her a yellow card on that Jan's daughter foul, which it seemed clear that in his head he had. Um, and then when she went up for that header, which was a foul, um, he in his head figured that was the second yellow card and went straight to red, um, which obviously that's hard. You can't do that. If you're, if you're going to give someone a red card for what is essentially two yellows, you have to have given them the yellow card in the first place. Yeah. Especially I think for some of the, this is the other frustrating part about it. The reason, like the, the reasoning that it looked like we was given because there was no, we don't, I didn't see anything from any fellow media members, uh, discussing that kind of stuff. Or if there, or, right, or if are, the referee was asked, uh, which is an option, which is, yeah, we're yeah. speculating here. We're spitballing. Um, so from the replays, it's the impression that's given is that this referee, like center referee and his side officials were sort of confirming with each other that it was an elbow. Right. Uh, and I think part of that was because of the way you had a, a veteran player like, like Vero being able to sell that. Yeah. But shout out to Vero Boquete. I mean, honestly, it's fine. People have yeah. feelings about it, yeah. but honestly, guys, that's You got to do what you got to do, right. Yeah. yeah it's honestly. totally fine. Yeah. Like, I'm not anti-gamesmanship. No. no I no. think that that's actually something that's lacking in the women's game. Totally. I think there's a big 
uh, culture around women's American soccer where it's like, get up and get after it. Right. Go. Yeah. Uh, like but you're there's bleeding a, from your face. Yeah, and but there's like running. a sort of finesse that comes yeah. in uh, being able to get into that mental game. You know, that's a that's an added thing that somebody had a player can have to their arsenal and Vero Poquete is a veteran and has that and I bet if she got asked about it or put on the record she might have thought that she would have been given that yellow right but this referee went straight to the red I think everybody looked a little surprised that Katie Johnson was walking off of the pitch yeah not just the red stars yeah I think it right I think you're right I think it all played out in a very normal way until it was a red card instead of a yellow yeah. And then uh, that right before everything. the half, right before the half, it yeah. definitely changed the tone yeah. um, because as you were saying, Chicago is looking to resettle anyway. So having to do so a player down, um, I'm sure, I'm sure they were frustrated. I'm sure they were frustrating just because they were tired. I have to imagine that their bodies were not doing what they wanted them to do at that point. Um, and so it definitely put Chicago, not only obviously at a physical disadvantage, but a mental one. That's really hard psychologically to deal with and not one that you see in the NWSL ever you very rarely see a red card given um that early in a match so yeah no no doubt so I mean you you had these two players going to halftime uh having up until that point sort of played a bit evenly and then I think going into the second half is when you started to see a little bit more action, even if it was just making the substitutions. You had both of these teams making their three subs. You had way more yellows issued throughout this match. Got Clippy. Yeah, (laughs) Clippy and Chippy, right? And uh, for the Red Stars, you know, obviously we talked about Vanessa DiBernardo, but throwing back to that, she made her sub. uh, She she was subbed out at the 64th minute for uh, Nikki Stanton, who came on. Michelle Vasconcelos was subbed in shortly after that in the 67th minute for Alyssa Motts and eventually Brooke LB down the stretch in the 87th minute for Katie Naughton. Um, once things were sort of being pushed for, I think maybe holding things down and maybe possibly getting um, a result there. Cause in the 84th minute was when uh, things got a little too loose. I think maybe you had a player like uh, Amy Rodriguez, being able to find herself in the right place in the right time in the box there and just sort of redirect this ball that was sent in. Uh, I forgot who the player was that sent it. I think it was Gunny, right? I think you're right, yeah. Um, Ultimately, that play was um, Sarah Gordon had been relying on uh, recovery runs all night, which is great. That's her game. Um, She just didn't make it in time that time. Um, at the end, you know, it was at the end of the match. And it happens, man. It, it was the 84th happened. minute. It was the 84th minute. It was the 84th They've minute. Running I think at that point for 50 minutes, it's just hard to do. At um, that point, you're thinking, draw. yeah, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that to, to, you know, you know, uh, call her out or anything. It's just what happened. Um, and that is something out of this entire match. That is actually something that Chicago is going to need to work on because if Sarah Gordon is Chicago's starting center back from now until after the world cup, or after the U.S.'s run at the World Cup, um, there are going to have to be some specific talks with her about playing center back because she's a very versatile player, um, but that's a very specified role. Yeah, I think just looking at sort of the replay, they go, you you look at that, you look at the recovery run there. I think some people out there made an argument for a, uh, a player like Boyd and her positioning. Um, Emily Boyd is an athlete. Yeah. Like, you look at this player and – 
you know, I think in the previous we called her body boy because she could just put a body on you. Yep. And uh, looked like she, you know, did her best, tried to make the attempt. Uh, he thought maybe she could have got a hand on that. Maybe the position was some of it, maybe some of it was sort of that magic that a player like Amy Rodriguez can do. You know, right. you had Katie Naughton trying to trying to mark her, and it just the ball just ended up in the back of the net. And I think um, shortly after that, you know, you're trying to push for an equalizer and get that draw that I think you were initially trying to play for. And that's where the sub in, in Brooke Elby came, took place in that 87th minute, but it just, they just ran out of time. Honestly, it looked like, I mean, also uh, it'd be, it'd be disingenuous not to at least mention. Um, there definitely seemed like there could have been a foul on Sam Kerr in the box there. <laughs> There's been some video yeah. that's been, that's been going around uh, rewinding back before that, that goal. I believe it was in the 78th minute. Right. Maybe yeah. 70, somewhere it was, the it was in that 78th 10 minute. minute period. There yeah. was a free kick that yeah. was issued for the red stars and Sam Kerr, what it looks like on this replay, uh, went down after contact in the box. Yeah. Pretty heavy contact. Pretty heavy contact. Like piggyback like. riding yeah. type of right. contact. Yep. I believe my Twitter reaction to it was like, wow, look how much players love Sam Kerr. Like she gets so many hugs and it's really cool. And um, that again, I just added to that. I think just some of that frustration on the pitch. Right. I mean, she ended up getting issued a yellow card. Yeah. Nikki Stanton, when she got subbed on, immediately got a yellow card. It got to couple, them. They got to the Red minutes. Stars. They really, it got in their heads. They got, they got yeah. messed up a little bit. Yeah. And uh, I think when you look at the box score, when you look at the play-by-play and you sort of, go over those things you can pinpoint those things and point them out and i'm sure throughout the week they have a long week ahead of them you're talking about an eight-day swing having played friday their next match isn't going to be till sunday i'm sure that's going to be some stuff that they go over and honestly on paper looking at this match looking at the time of the season if you're going to have a loss like this want to have it now early in the beginning of the season it's fine (laughs) you it's going to be fine y'all everyone like Claire, you and I on this podcast have talked a lot about the season and sort of this concept of running the table throughout this 24 game, uh, you know, league and season that this team has, especially in a World Cup year uh, and how things aren't really settled as far as the table shaking out towards the latter half of the season. So a result like this, I think, is something that just is one of those early types of games that you can just learn from. Like there's going to probably be some stuff in there where you're like, yeah, this was maybe a little bit of a mental lapse. Want to work on that. Don't want to, you know, have that get the better of you in future matches and stuff like that. I think there was a lot of stuff in between the lines that they could take away from a match like this and basically just uh, be better. Honestly. No, I agree. I, um, like I said, I think, actually the microcosm of everything that we talked about in the first 30 minutes um, before all the shenanigans is what they need to work on. They should feel really confident about their offensive possession. It's awesome. Um, their connecting movement is really great. I, I It's fine. They're going to be fine. Um, defensive breakdowns, they'll make adjustments. They'll figure it out. And every week that these – um, non-U.S. women's national team players start, they're going to get better at this. Um, it's all, <laughs> You almost wish that this weekend could have just been a freebie for everybody. <laughs> yeah, I, and there's a, again, there's I think there's a lot to look forward to. I mean, something totally. that we actually didn't touch on, and that part of why we didn't touch on it is because they didn't see match time. But prior to this match, you know, Chicago made some new additions to the roster. A few players out there got uh, offered supplemental contracts, and a player got offered a national team player contract. 
Um, so congrats to all the players who have were given those contracts, and we're probably going to be seeing them more in the mix uh, further into this season because the national team players are gone. Uh, players that we saw in preseason, uh, Kayla Sharples, Hannah Davison, uh, those were a couple of players who saw significant time, along with Maria Sanchez, who uh, was offered a full season contract, and she's probably going to start getting some minutes as well. Uh, so, a lot of again, just still a lot of good vibes, I think, going into this upcoming week which is going to be a mother's day match it is against north carolina yes in bridgeview illinois and this is the tough thing about being issued kind of an aggressive red card is that you can't play the next game and chicago could really use katie johnson against the north carolina courage don't you think again as we've spoken about on this show and also off mic Big fans of what Katie Johnson has been bringing yeah. to the Chicago Red Stars team. For yeah. people who aren't aware, don't know, uh, it was actually, I believe, in the Rain Post match yes. uh, where we had a little bit of time with Sam Kerr. And she actually referred to Katie Johnson as a Yuki type of player, mm-hmm. which I think is a huge compliment. Yeah, uh, They're vibing with each other. They like what the other player is bringing to the pitch, and it shows. Um, I'm not too sure about the protocol for um, placing an appeal. I'm sure Chicago on this will red try. card. At the very least, I was yeah. At the very least, I think there should be an effort to do that. I'm not too sure there's enough on the replay. And at the same time, there's an argument to say that there is enough on the replay right. because there doesn't look like there's really anything right. on the replay. It looks like a, there's a tall player going up for a ball. And there was a bit of contact. Not too sure about this flying elbow that the referee looked like he was explaining. Right. But some contact uh, from a tall player. Um, So at the very least, there maybe can be an appeal. I'm not too sure if it'll, you know, work in their favor. Uh, Huge fans of giving it a try, though. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, Yeah. why not? (laughs) We'll see. We'll see what happens. Worst thing that can happen is they say we only had one camera on it. Yeah, no. pretty much. And yeah. if it uh, doesn't happen, uh, you know, congrats, Katie Johnson. Enjoy your time off. Yeah, right. Like enjoy, it's going to yeah. be nice. You know, enjoy some of that Chicago sun. Yeah, right. Um, and shout out to, you know, Michelle Vasconcelos and Maria Sanchez who probably might have They'll to, the, yep. to mm-hmm. you know, get get some time against North Carolina Courage. It's yep. just it's just next man up. Right. That's, That's just gonna right. have to be the vibe. Yep. So I think. uh North Carolina Courage are coming off of uh, a little bit of a frustrating match of their own. I think they did have one, yeah. I believe, Claire, you said it's probably going to be one of the angriest Mother's Day matches of all time. Yeah, I think it's going to be a lot of frustration aired uh, on the pitch there. Um, We'll see which side I would love. This is it's so funny because you say you want to play aggressive against North Carolina and then you regret it when they beat you by like five goals, but. yeah, I think that I don't. I don't honestly think that North Carolina and Chicago have a ton of beef with with, with each other. I just think that both teams are like mad at the universe right now. Yeah, word. I would agree with that. Uh, I I joke about this a lot I'm, when it comes to North Carolina courage. It's like I always say I love a fake rivalry. Right. I think there's people out there that try to push it between these two teams, but I think these are two teams that actually have a ton of respect for each other. Right. I think they like <laughs> playing each other, and they're because they're yeah. literally two teams that make each other better. Right. Uh, like you have all these players that have gone on record saying that about the other team for sure, which is, it's always a little funny to me. Um, but I think something interesting to know is that in this match that the Curtis just had against New Jersey, 
even with players like Sam Mewis gone, even with a player like Jessica McDonald gone, they had like an onslaught of shots happening in this match. So Emily Boyd, I think, is for sure going to be tested. I was going to say no Nair this, this time, right? Yeah. Nair is really North Carolina's kryptonite, and yeah. she's not going to be there. So yeah, we'll I don't see. even know if it's kryptonite. I think Alyssa Nair like thrives. Yeah, she on loves playing, playing against them. North Carolina. It's yeah. like you have some, a a goalkeeper like Alyssa Nair net against North Carolina who just shoots the ball all of the time. And it's almost like a listener gets stronger if you shoot the ball at her a million times. Well, I mean, I think I said this after <laughs> week one. I think that um, Nair is a player that lines up well against the way that North Carolina plays. Um, and honestly, we just don't know enough about Emily Boyd to see what's going to happen. We're going to find out. We're going to find out. <laughs> We're going to find out real quick. So I don't know if uh, we should do a predictions about this. Uh, I'm not going to do a score one. I don't think we did that for the rain either. I think last week I just asked you who you wanted to have, like, be uh, an impact player and who you think might have a big game in the match. I'm going to do that again this week. Yeah. Uh, Michelle Vasconcelos, I think. Um, she is someone who is so – it's so interesting, her story at this moment. And um, – if she gets a start next week, we were talking about this during yes uh, during Friday's game. Um, there's a difference between being a starter and a sub. Um, she's obviously built a ton of confidence in her sub role. Um, she could be a difference maker. I think teams don't other teams don't know what to do with her exactly, which is a real dangerous place to be. Um, and if she can execute the way she has been executing, she's had a wonderful beginning of the season. I think she could really help. Yeah, uh, I would agree with you on that. I think Michelle Vasconcelos is going to be a player to watch. Michelle Vasconcelos is a player that I want to have the big game. I want a player like Vasconcelos to have the big game. I think for the unsung hero, I, I want. I'm gonna. I'm gonna go on record. I want to see Maria Sanchez get minutes. Put her out there, yo. The national team players are gone. Uh, Katie Johnson is likely missing this game. Uh, I need to see somebody like Maria Sanchez in, in the pitch, and I think for a player. You threw her against some pretty big, uh, big dogs in in preseason. It's regular season now, and uh, if you really want to see what somebody's made of, I mean, I think this is uh, one of those tests, right? So hopefully she gets some minutes, and hopefully she maybe can prove me right and be sort of that unsung hero uh, for this kind of match. So good stuff, a lot of good stuff. Uh, looking forward to seeing this match. Uh, Going to be at home and no snow. No snow. Mother's only. My prediction is no snow. <laughs> it's Mother's Day. Mother Nature's going to take the day off. It's going to be nice. It's going to be good stuff. A lot of good stuff. Claire, where, where can the, the good people out there find you in your work? Yes, you can find me on the Equalizer podcast. And I write for Equalizer sometimes. And I do recaps for Hot Time in Old Town. Oh, boy. The one I did this past weekend check it out um yeah. it's you know it's funny when you <laughs> had to write something immediately after the game because yeah. you get the most purest Just of feelings how you feeling um yeah i wrote i started writing that yeah uh <laughs> <laughs> uh what else oh uh follow me on twitter at scout ripley which is the name of my music project and i know for a fact that um this will come out before we do have a show in chicago this week we are playing the burlington uh thursday night may 9th uh at 9 p.m so if you're inclined come check it out i we're really good it's really good so 
support yeah, your Chicago local band, Scott yeah. Ripley. Claire is Scott Ripley. They are awesome. And if you're here, you should roll up to the Burlington and see them and hang out and say what's up. Support your local band. Yeah, and you should request the Southside Trap theme song and maybe they'll play it. Yeah, it'll be, we might. It'll be, it'll be good stuff. Uh, you know, before I get into my stuff and where you can find me, I'd actually like to take a moment to plug something that's non-soccer related but still 100% Chicago related. My cousin is a Chicago public school teacher and he is a music, music educator and has been for many, many years. And not to be a hype beast just because he's my primo and I love him so much, but he is an amazingly talented music educator. And if you don't know... Arts and music programs struggle, especially in a place like Chicago Public Schools. And he has been at the forefront of this music program at Salcedo Academy, and they are in a competition right now for the Menelo Music Project. And if you have the time, I would greatly, greatly appreciate it if you go out there and vote for Salcedo Academy to win this Menelo Music Project. Uh, they will be given instruments uh, to continue uh, their music uh, program. And it's going to be good stuff. So I'm going to leave a link in the description. Hopefully you guys can do me that favor and support arts and music in Chicago Public Schools. I'd really, really appreciate it. Uh, if you'd like to continue uh, following me and my shenanigans, you can find me on Twitter at Santerrera underscore. That's H-E-R-R-E-R-A. If you want to follow my work, you can find it all over the place. Find it at secondcitysoccer.com. You can find it at Hot Time in Old Town. It's all good stuff. If you do not do anything else, if you don't feel like supporting a player, don't feel like supporting me if you don't even want to support kids in music you should definitely continue to support the Southside Trap podcast the podcast that helps you stay outside with the Chicago Red Sox and you can do that by following us on all social media channels on Facebook Instagram Twitter at Southside Trap Pod with one letter P and you can listen to us on iTunes and Podbean and Spotify and you can just go ahead and leave us a like maybe leave us a little message show us some love we appreciate that everybody stay good out there it's getting nice out we'll see you next week